0: Hi, this is Glenn McQuaid. And I'm Larry Fesenden, And you're listening to Tales from Beyond the Pale. The podcast. Greetings, audiophiles. I'm glad you decided to join me on this little journey. I hope you'll take a deep breath now. A deep breath. And just relax and listen with me. Because wherever you think you are, maybe settled in your favorite chair, maybe driving a car, or at the gym, or on a train. Maybe you thought you were tidying up the house or working all alone on that special little project late at night. Wherever you thought you were, well, look again, listener. For you have crossed over. You are no longer where you thought you were. You are now beyond the pale. Welcome, listener, to the very first episode of Tales from Beyond the Pale. My name is Larry Fessenden, and I and my associate, Glenn McQuaid, have issued a little invitation to see if we might solicit some submissions for this little audio program. And I must say, we did get the occasional package from some rather odd ducks. Today's tale comes from a Mr. Joe Maggio whose recent foodie horror film Bitter Feast has been turning stomachs over at the local cinema. Fittingly, Joe's tale arrived to me this morning stored in a portable icebox like the ones they use to transport meat and body parts. Let's just take the lid off and have a look inside. It would seem that Joe has a rather refined palate for the macabre. Because let me tell you, his tale, Man on the Ledge, starring Vincent D'Onofrio, is a lean, cold, and tasty story of a man who finally decided, enough is enough. So, keep doing what you're doing. Enjoy the show. But remember, listener, nothing is as it seems, deep within the puzzle box that is... Man on the ledge.
1: How are you guys doing today? You having a good day? Where's your mama? Out digging up worms, probably? Daddy's at the sparrow bar getting drunk, right? I mean, I got no complaints. Not on a morning like this, you know? Life is so funny. I mean, you live your whole life dreading something. Monsters under the bed, the boogeyman, failure, loneliness, AIDS, the bomb, getting dumped, cancer, your plane dropping out of the sky, death, and all its colors. And then one day, almost by accident, you wake up, Man, that's what it feels like. You, you just wake up and you realize you can't take it anymore. All the fear and loathing. And, and you turn and face this thing. Whatever it is, this monster that's been stalking you for as long as you can remember. And as soon as you do it, as soon as you stop running and just face this, this thing, it vanishes. Poof, it's gone. And then there's nothing left but fiery mist. Well, it's the kind of day I've been having. I I did something this morning I should have done a long, long time ago. And and let me tell you, I feel extraordinary. The city looks so different from up here, doesn't it? All straight lines and right angles. Everything suddenly makes sense. Why can't it always be like that? Ooh, wide body... Twin engine. Looks like the Air France logo on the tail. Airbus A330. En route to Charles de Gaulle. I'll never forget my first transatlantic flight. 21 years old, en route to Amsterdam to see Chandra Molinar. My one true love. Tall, blonde, blue-eyed. She taught me that in Dutch, Gouda. Is actually pronounced Hauta. I can still hear her husky voice, Hauta. Those thick red lips puckering up. Oof. Hauta. Hauta. Her last name meant Miller, Chandra Miller. Well, she was a miller, all right. She milled me. Ground me right down till I was nothing but a fine powder. And then she just blew me away. But that flight at Christ, that was something else. You could smoke on the planes back then. And when you ordered wine, they brought you a whole fucking bottle. And not some crappy California wine product. It was the real deal. Burgundy. I remember when we got to Amsterdam, to Schiphol. That's the name of the Amsterdam airport, Schiphol. 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 I mean, am I crazy or does the very name smack of... of, you know, adventure? Let, Let us... Let us go then, you and I, to Schiphol. Anyway. There was this deep, dense fog, and the pilot couldn't land, so we just kept flying in circles, big, wide, sweeping circles over Amsterdam. Couldn't see a damn thing out the window, just gray. I was reading Cortazar's uh, Hopscotch at the time. And in it, the lovers' mouths always tasted of tobacco and wine, so I went into the bathroom and brushed my teeth with burgundy. It's embarrassing to say now, but I had this idea that if Chandra tasted wine and tobacco on my lips, then somehow we'd be like the lovers in hopscotch. So there I was, gargling with red wine while the plane just went round and round. And The weird thing is, as in love as I was with this woman on the ground, I didn't want to land. I wanted to stay up there, in the fog, forever, circling Skippo, with Chandra Molinar, thousands of feet below, waiting for me. I guess somehow I knew, and called it a premonition, that as soon as we landed, all hell was gonna break loose, and the milling would begin. But up there in the plane, caught up in that thick gray fog, it it was like a stay of execution. That's it, exactly. A stay of execution. You hear that, little birdies? What the hell is going on down there amongst the ant people? What are they all pointing at? What do you want? Jump! Jump! Jump? Go fuck yourself! Can you believe that jump? Jumpies, what the fuck is wrong with people? You jump! And fuck yourself on the way down, you lousy cocksucker! Jumpies said. And you wonder why the world is coming apart at the seams. Indifference. Rank. Fucking indifference. Nobody cares. Nobody. Nothing is true and everything is permitted. Can you hear me? What the fuck? Are you talking to me?
2: On the ledge. Can you hear me? Yes! Why?! Step back from the ledge! No! Please step back from the ledge!
1: Leave me alone! I'm not hurting anybody! Go away! Go away!
0: What the hell are you doing? NYPD, Mr. Alba. I'm afraid I'm gonna to have to ask
1: you to come inside from the ledge. Oh, but this is my home. You can't just come barging in like this. Where did you get my keys? Take it easy, John. Everything's gonna be fine. Man, everything's gonna be fine. What the hell are you going on about? Everything is fine. Look, I'm having the fantastic day here. My first great day in a very, very long time. And you are ruining it.
0: I'm sorry. Really? The last thing I wanna do is ruin your day, John.
1: And stop calling me John!
0: Isn't that your name? John P. Alba? Yes, it's my name. For people who know me. And you don't know me. Well, if you tell me something about yourself, then I'd know you, right? Get out! Okay, I'll break the ice. I'm Officer William Coley, but my friends call me Bill. Now, if you'd tell me something about yourself, we'd practically be old friends. That's ridiculous. Why? Why what? Why is what I said ridiculous? Because it...
1: You... I I don't even know what you're doing here. It it feels like a crazy dream where rabbits in tuxedos come crawling out from under the couch. And where did you get my keys? You still haven't answered that.
0: Do do you mind if I come just a little closer, John?
1: Yes, I mind. And stop calling me John. It gives me the willies. Sorry, it's just we could hear each
0: other better if I were standing just a little bit closer.
1: Stop right where you are. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay, just take it easy. I'm not moving. Back up! Okay, I'm backing up. I wish you would trust me, John.
1: Why should I trust you? Because I'm a friend. Oh, Oh, okay, friend. I'd like to be alone, if you don't mind. No problem. You just step inside from the ledge and you can be alone as long as you Why on earth do you people care so much that I'm sitting on this ledge enjoying the day? I mean, what business is it of yours? Well, John, I'm going to be frank. The way you're sitting there with your legs
0: dangling over the edge and nothing between you and the sidewalk ten floors below, well, one could get the impression that you might be planning on, I don't know, jumping or something. Well, I'm not. Okay, okay. I'm going to check that off the list. Now, what about the blood? Excuse me? The blood, John. What blood? John, you're covered in blood. It's fresh blood. What the fuck are you talking about? I just want to get you some help. There's a medic right outside that door. No! Nobody else comes in. Take it easy. Nobody! Okay, okay. Tell them! Tell them what? Tell them
1: nobody else comes in. Okay, you got it.
0: Listen up in the hall. Nobody comes in, you got that? Under no circumstances. Is anybody to enter this apartment?
1: There. It's just you and me. And the birds. <laughs> and, and the birds. Been watching this nest for weeks. Every morning the mother flies off for an hour and, and when she comes back, she pukes worm soup into the baby's mouth. <laughs> now that's love. I read once that mother birds actually warn their unhatched chicks about how shitty their lives will be. Now how do they do that? I don't know. I, I didn't read the whole article.
0: <sighs> so I was, uh, I was at the Yankee game last night, a buddy of mine had extra ticket right behind home plate, best seats in the house, cold brewskis, hot peanuts, right out of the shell. You like baseball, John?
1: No, Bill. I don't like baseball.
0: Well, I I guess it's pretty silly when you think about it. I mean, really think about it. Grown men dressed up in striped pajamas getting paid millions of dollars to knock a ball around with a stick. Why now? Excuse me?
1: Why now? Why now what? My whole life, I've lived on the edge of the herd of little or no interest to anyone, man, woman, or child. The invisible fucking man. The man without qualities. That's what my father used to call me. Can can you believe that? A father to his son. Kid, you are the original man without qualities. So why is it that today so many people, people I've never even met or seen, are so damn interested in what is happening to me? Huh?
0: Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm here, and I'm looking at you, and I see that you're bleeding. I am not bleeding! Okay, okay, you're not bleeding. No blood. But I see someone who looks like, like he could use a friend, am I right?
1: You don't give a damn about me. I do. You're lying. I'm not. You are! And if you're not lying, then you're the most shallow superficial person alive because people don't care about people, especially if they've just met them five seconds ago. And and even when someone says they care about you, All that means is that they've discovered some advantage in being near you. We're all just millers and grinders, grinding each other down. And when we reduce someone to the point where further reduction is no longer possible, we move on. Grist for the mill. Just another way of saying humanity.
0: What could I possibly stand to gain in being here talking with you? It's your fucking job. You get paid to do it. I'd get paid as a plumber, too. And probably a a lot more than I make doing this.
1: But I'm not a plumber. I chose this job. Exactly. You, You chose this job because it makes you feel like a hero. Admit it. Uh, Even now, you there, me here, this apartment, this very moment, you're not actually here. You're not actually standing in my living room looking out the window at me perched on the ledge. You're at home, sitting on the couch, daughter bouncing on your knee, wife in the kitchen cooking dinner. All of you proudly watching the six o'clock news as Daddy comes marching through the door ten floors below with me slung over your shoulder like some prize buck. I don't watch the news. (laughs) <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. Uh, you're a funny guy.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: That part of what they teach you in cop school? Employ humor, talk about baseball, left hooks, and all that macho buddy-buddy crap. Make them feel comfortable so they'll open up and start blubbering about the miserable childhood and all the hopes and dreams dashed. And before you know it, whoop, off the ledge I go. You know what I think?
0: I think you've been telling yourself for so long that you've got all the answers, that you've got everyone figured out, and we're all such shits. I'm into that, brother. Then this truth, this enlightenment you think you've arrived at and now embrace so desperately is so... it's so ugly, so unlivable, that it's no surprise you're sitting there, teetering on the ledge. In fact, it makes perfect sense.
1: But... But? I'm sensing a but, Bill. It's no surprise that I'm sitting here, it makes perfect sense, blah, 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 but...
0: But you're wrong. We're not all scum.
1: Prove it. Well, I don't want you to jump. That's it? Humanity is not comprised of two-faced, duplicitous, self-absorbed scum because you don't want me to jump? That's your whole thesis?
0: I admit, it's a simple premise. But think about it. I honestly and truly don't want you to jump. I also want you to be happy. I've got nothing to gain in any of this. Just one human being wishing the best for his fellow man.
1: I'll tell you what. Let's have a little test. I, I see that you've got a walkie-talkie clipped to your belt. I, I've noticed a little earpiece in your left ear. Do me a favor. Turn around. Uh uh-huh. The cable runs around your ear, down your back to the radio.
0: Standard issue, NYPD surveillance mic. We all wear.
1: I, I've noticed that every so often you get a glazed look on your face, as if you were listening to what's being said over the radio, but pretending to be paying attention to me. No, well, guilty as charged.
0: There's nothing devious about it, though. Just helps keep the noise level down so we can talk.
1: Take the... what do you call it? The ear thing?
0: The surveillance mic.
1: Yeah, the surveillance mic. Take it out. Excuse me? Take it out so we can both hear what's being discussed over the airwaves. Why? Because I'd like to hear what your compatriots think about all of this. If you're all as pure and kind-hearted as you claim to be, then I don't see why I should be excluded from the conversation. What's wrong, Bill? Too scared to put your money where your mouth is? Okay.
2: It says even two floors lower we'd have a shot. As it is, we goes straight to the heaviest net we've got. Over. bugger that. Can't let that happen. I catch help from sanitation. Over. <laughs> Copy that. You boys think everything. Hey, listen. How many snippers do you think it would take to clean up one splattered homo erectus? <laughs> Copy that. Uh, Judy here says fuck snippers, You guys could just come in with the hoses. There's a storm drain on the corner.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, hey turn turn it back on. It doesn't mean a damn thing. I said turn it on. No. All right. Goodbye, Mr. Coley. No wait. God damn it.
0: Not to leave you hanging, but I thought this was the perfect time for a little commercial interruption. Let's take a listen to the trailer for Joe Maggio's Bitter Feast, starring James LeGros, Joshua Leonard, Amy Simitz, and featuring Mario Batali and yours truly as Detective Coley. As for the food, one
1: word vomitous. Vomitous? Another scathing
0: review, how nice. Public demands raw meat, I just give it to them. What the
2: hell is going on? Where is everybody? Feast. Feast. Reviewed by JP Frank.
0: Gordon, he's a food blogger. You just don't get it. This is a disaster. So what
1: now? The sous chef from Marlowe & Sons is gonna be in this afternoon. He's taking over the kitchen. I'm fired? Gordon, this is
2: my life. Good morning, Mr. Franks.
0: Mr. Gray! Do you know him? JT Franks. He wrote a nasty review of your restaurant. Am I a person of interest, Mr. Coley?
2: I'm not sure if we're in the middle of nowhere, but I feel we're quite close to it.
0: Now, back to
1: the man on the ledge. So much for humanity, eh, Bill? No. No?
0: No, I don't accept it. It's just cop talk, gallows humor, it doesn't prove a damn thing.
1: And they say that I'm delusional. They? Who's they? Everybody. My father, my mother, Chandra Molinar. Especially Chandra Molinar. What did they do to you? It's none of your business. It doesn't matter anymore. Oh,
2: be quiet up there, Coley. Give us a 411.
1: Over. Christ, I'm thirsty. I could get you some water. You alive, Billy boy? Give us a sign. I don't on the Anything. Over. I feel like I've got... I don't know. A block of salt in my mouth. I'll have him bring some cold water. No! No water. I remember... I don't know how old I was. Fourteen, maybe. I saw this TV movie about Lee Harvey Oswald. It was total garbage. I don't even remember who was in it. But there was one scene. This single scene. That has haunted me ever since. FYI, we got Albert's sister down here. She says
2: he wants the help, but... I won't actually talk to him, since he's too scared, over. I'm so fucking sister, won't talk him off the ledge. Looks
1: like we got a real winner on our hands here, over. It's moments before the assassination. Oswald is wandering the hallways of the book depository. It's November, but unseasonably hot. The windows are all open, but the air is dead. Not a breeze to be felt for thousands of miles. Occasionally, you see a fan oscillating back and forth. But you can tell it's just moving heat from one place to another. Oswald is sweating. You, you can see the sheen on his skin. His hair is plastered to his forehead. He's got these little white salt patches in the corners of his mouth. And his Adam's apple just keeps bobbing up and down, up and down.
2: If you're still listening, the sister says the parents live over in Woodside. We've got a call-in room.
1: Hopefully one of them will be willing to come talk some into him. And at one point, Oswald comes upon a soda machine. Now, there's an old man standing nearby a guard of some sort. He eyeballs Oswald suspiciously. But see, this, this is Oswald before he's killed the president. He's still innocent and has as much right to be wandering the depository hallway as anyone. Oswald knows this. He owns his innocence. In fact... He's somehow more innocent than a normal person because he knows what he's about to do and yet it hasn't happened yet. You you know what I mean? Well, well, you're saying that a man who
0: knows he's capable of some horrific act but has yet to commit it is somehow more innocent than the man who drifts through life totally oblivious to his
1: nefarious potential. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oswald basks in, in the glow of innocence. He's not yet the Lee Harvey Oswald you learn about in school. He's still just an ordinary man like anyone else walking the streets of Dallas on the morning of November 22nd, 1963. And this knowledge makes him smirk a little as he drops a nickel into the soda machine and listens as it pings and clangs inside the machine's guts. And then out falls this little bottle of ice-cold coca-cola which is finally the whole point of the story the way he presses the bottle to his forehead you can see the surface is completely covered in a frosty mist so so when it hits the hot air it sends these rivulets of condensation dripping down the bottle onto oswald's wrist And, and then and then he pops the top takes a swig and you can just feel the icy liquid rushing down his parched throat. The bubbles burning a little.
0: I don't understand. Would you like a Coke? I can get you a Coke. I don't want hours. a fucking Coke. Well, I'm afraid
1: I've missed the point. There.
2: Uh, we're just pulling up to the parents' place now. It looks pretty good, over.
1: It's... It's that ice-cold Coke... The way he drinks it, day hasn't gone by that I haven't thought of it.
2: Maybe say the parents are definitely home,
1: over. Thought of what? The Coke. The way he drinks it. Don't, don't you see? At that moment, that bottle of Coke is... It's... It's... Salvation. There's nothing in the world that could not be endured so long as you could have just five minutes of solitude, just five fucking minutes with an ice cold drink.
2: My neighbor says Alba was definitely DL earlier. Since she heard an argument, things got pretty heated, Alba.
0: You know what I think? I think you're ready to come inside. But you don't feel like you can anymore.
2: Nobody's answering the bell. Black door is open. We're just going to take a
0: peek inside, over. It's as if somehow this has all gone too far to turn back. But you're wrong.
1: All you got to do is r- reach your hand inside. Now, I'll do the rest. Did you know that Molinar is Dutch for Miller? Chandra Molinar? Who is she, John? A woman. Just a woman? Yes. What happened? Last floor, looks after. She said she loved me. And then she flew away. We rode each other every day. She begged me to come, so I got on a plane and flew off to Schiphol.
0: Give me a hand, John. We're moving
1: upstairs. At first, I thought it was a language thing. Everyone I met looked at me funny, like they were laughing at me in their minds.
2: it's is clear. No signs of anyone.
1: Then one day, I saw them. She was supposed to be at work... Uh, I could tell just the way they were sitting next to each other, sipping the coffee, and totally oblivious to everyone else in the cafe. At one point, he reached over, and very gently, he pushed the hair away from her eye. And I knew.
2: Wait a minute.
1: It's going to be all right. Just just give me your hand.
2: Uh, Hold on.
1: Oh, oh, my God. She milled me. Ground me to nothing. In the bathtub, it's full of blood
2: and skin and hair. I see a hand. Oh, Christ. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's a head, two heads, male and now, maybe sixty years old. Oh, God. It's just a soup.
1: It's a human fucking soup. You killed them. It's going to be all right. Just give me your hand. You you like baseball, John? I sure do, Bill. Let's catch a a game sometime. Christ, what a load of shit. You're not bleeding at all. I ground them down, Bill. Like they did to me my whole life. It was a messy business, but it's done. It is accomplished. Coley, get the fuck out of there. comes to Calvary. I, I guess I'll be stepping in now. You may read me my rights, Bill. Call you Get the fuck out of there. This guy's a nutcher. Don't move. Put the gun away, Bill. The game's over. You lose and I spend the rest of my days exquisitely medicated at Rockland Psychiatric. Like hell.
0: This little standoff, the Oswald story, the whole metaphysical debate, it was
1: all just a big joke to you.
2: NYPD, open up!
1: Take another step and I will And you what? Jump? Go ahead. Do us all a favor. You see? I was right. You don't give a flying fuck. Nobody does. Nothing matters. Everything is permitted. Humanity is a fragile
0: proposition, John. You get away from me. It's like a great big pot of boiling hot oil. You stay away! People like you are that little drop of cold water that sets the whole experiment roiling. Help! All it takes is a little... Help!
2: Freeze! Nobody fucking move!
0: Whoa, whoa, easy, easy, it's over. What the fuck happened? He jumped. I tried grabbing hold of him, but... it. Hey, yeah, he was too far gone. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. If I live to be a hundred, I'll never understand it. Look at him. Just a speck on the pavement. You sure you're all right? Yeah. I'm fine. The captain, I want a full report on this. Yep. I don't envy you. But what the hell? You win some, you lose some, right? Did he you know that mother birds have a way of warning their unhatched chicks about how difficult their lives are going to be you don't say how the fuck they do that <laughs> i wish i knew oh my Things didn't turn out quite the way Mr. Alba expected, did they? Was it just me, or did Alba really fall for Officer Coley at the end there? Tune in next time, listener, for another tale from beyond the pale. Until then, this is Fessenden signing off.
1: You have just listened to Man on the Ledge, featuring the voice talents of Vincent D'Onofrio, Larry Fessenden, John Sparadakis, Nick Demichi and Greg Amici. Man on the Ledge was written and directed by Joe Maggio, edited by Ilya Shagan, produced by Larry Fessenden, Glenn McQuaid and Lisa Wisely. Theme music by Jeff Grace. Sound supervisor Tom Effinger. Re-recording mixer Eric Gittelson. Sound design Jeff Seely. Assistant editor Christopher Dickinson. VO and Foley Recordist Eric Gittelson. Foley artist Sean Brennan Diggit in-house producer Alicia Loving Audio Post Facility Diggit Audio Inc Copyright Glass Eye Picks 2010
0: After losing his son in a car accident a scientist is determined to have a family reunion no matter how many body parts it takes. Like father, like son. By Clay McLeod Chapman. Only on Tales from Beyond the Pale. The podcast.